Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. When Top Gun Maverick hit theaters last year, we did not expect to be talking about the film during Oscar season, but here we are. The movie has earned six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Adapted Screenplay, and Original Song. We really like the film, and you can catch up with it on Paramount+. Plus. So we thought now would be the perfect time to revisit our conversation about it. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Stephen Thompson. Today we are talking about Top Gun Maverick on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the official Hacks podcast from Max. Join the creators and showrunners of Hacks as they discuss each episode and speak with the cast and crew about the making of the series. Listen to the official Hacks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Here with Aisha and me is Morning Edition producer Mark Rivers. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you for having me on this most important episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. (laughs) (laughs) And also here is Daisy Rosario. She's a podcast producer and storyteller you may have heard on the Moth Radio Hour. Welcome back, Daisy. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So in case you haven't seen the original Top Gun, there is one 36-year-old spoiler you need to know. In that (laughs) film, Tom Cruise plays hotshot Navy pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell, who flies a training mission in which his friend Goose is killed, leaving behind a wife and young son. In Top Gun Maverick, we pick up the story decades later. Maverick is working as a test pilot, but he hasn't risen far up the military ranks, partially because of his hotshot ways and partially because he still wants to fly. Soon he's enlisted to train a new batch of young pilots for a seemingly impossible, extremely dangerous, high-stakes mission. Those young pilots all have lessons to learn, but so does Maverick himself, as he must figure out what to do about one of those young pilots, Bradley Rooster Bradshaw, Goose's now adult son, played by Miles Teller. Along the way, we get lots of training missions, bonding exercises, blasts from the past. Maverick gets a new love interest in a bar owner played by Jennifer Connelly, but Val Kilmer returns as Iceman, an old rival who's long since become a trusted confidant. We also get Ed Harris and John Hamm as grizzled officers who don't trust Maverick's unorthodox techniques, as well as flashy new recruits like Phoenix, played by Monica Barbaro, Payback, played by Jay Ellis, and Hangman, played by Glenn Powell. The film feels like a throwback in many ways with lots of practical special effects and real flying in lieu of CGI. It even opens with a bit of Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, though we also get a new power ballad courtesy of Lady Gaga. (laughs) Top Gun Maverick is in theaters. Mark, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of Top Gun Maverick? So I just start by saying I came in a little biased. I'm an unapologetic Tom Cruise fan. He's my... Problematic fave, if you will. But on the other hand, I had very low expectations on this. The first Top Gun for me is not only is it not a good movie, it barely really qualifies as a movie. It's more like a maximat for the American Navy or just like a power source for Tom Cruise's megawatt smile. And the simplest thing I can say about this one is that this is just a better movie in every way. Like the first one, there's a sense that 
they got so enamored with all the flying, they forgot about the other things that could go into a movie. But here, there's a little bit more character work. Like, the stakes actually feel high. The dialogue is still movie dialogue, but it kind of feels like they put a little bit more effort into it. And I kind of think of it a lot as, like, a bit of a corrective to the first movie. It kind of reminds me of the Creed movie being a sequel to the Rocky franchise Mm -hmm. and that Top Gun Maverick kind of injects some reality into this white fantasy. You know, the first one was a lot about white masculinity and about the military and also about stardom itself. And this one, I think, kind of tries to or seeks to kind of complicate that legacy. The movie has some things on its mind, not only legacy, but obsolescence, you know, time gone by. The dogfighting aerial sequences are truly just astonishing. I mean, this out Dunkirk's Dunkirk, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, wow. some, not only the <laughs> not only the beauty and just like scale of the images. Like for people who don't know, the crew shot all the scenes with IMAX cameras, so just the clarity and just like just the scope of it all is really astonishing. And then the sound, like you feel the jet engines in your chest. Like I felt after the end of the movie, like I experienced G-Force. <laughs> it is a monument to this one-of-a-kind madman superstar, Tom Cruise. And in that way, it is, it is a total success. There's a little bit of cheese, a little bit of corn. It's still Top Gun after all, but it's, it's flavorful corn. It goes down easy. I, I, I was not, I was so surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. All right. <laughs> flavorful corn. I love it. Yeah. Flavorful corn. All right. Who doesn't love a flavorful corn? It's like the best kind of popcorn. All right. Yeah. all right. Daisy, how about you? I really agree with what Mark is saying in terms of this being a much better movie than the original in terms of just all of the parts of a movie. I, you know, am a child of the 80s, so I feel like the original Top Gun is one of those movies that just was in the ether like all of the time. Like you just existed in the world after Top Gun for a little while. (laughs) And it isn't like the most in-depth movie. I mean, and pop culture wise, I would say like it has remained, you know, this well-known thing. But I don't think of it as a movie where, you know, unless you're maybe like a military fan or something like I don't think people remember a lot of the details of the movie other than like, you know, five or six main things, right? Like Goose Dies, it's weirdly homoerotic. Like <laughs> the volleyball scene. I think you mean gloriously homoerotic. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm queer, so like I am here for it. I'm just saying. Like, you know, it, it is as in the 80s, being very homoerotic and not admitting it, which is like, uh-huh. you know, par for the course. You know, so I think most of us, that's the big stuff we remember. Remember kind of a vibe and some specific moments. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah, I just thought it was a really, really fun popcorn movie like it was a movie that I was glad to see in the theater because the action sequences were really well shot and really compelling I found myself super anxious whenever they were happening in a way that I don't always physically respond like I I literally felt myself sinking into my chair like oh no what's gonna happen right and and that's the thing like it's it doesn't have to be the deepest script in the world to make you feel that but if I'm gonna go see a big action movie in a theater I want to feel that so I thought it was a lot of fun my only real complaint is just can we please stop trying to make Miles Teller happen? Uh, Miles Teller is fetch. Stop yeah. trying to make him happen. Oh, that's mean. I thought he was fine. I really just didn't like that character overall, I think in part because of the way he was written, but also because of Miles Teller. And I think it's actually kind of an amazing success that I like the movie as much, considering that I really was not moved by a character that is supposed to be a huge emotional part of the movie. Mm. I don't know, man. They put him in a Hawaiian shirt and gave him a mustache. I was like, it's Goose. It's Goose Jr. What more do you want? He played the piano. He might as well have just been a guy holding up a sign saying, I'm Goose's kid. I know. Well, Anthony Edwards is like likable and Meg Ryan is likable. I think that just, you know, it's like he's the child of these likable people. And then I'm like, eh, 
I don't like your kid, though. <laughs> I don't know how likable his character was meant to be, right? I mean, he kind of resents right. Maverick. He's and... sullen and resentful. But I think you're supposed to at least understand it. And I understand it on paper, but I'm also like, get over it because you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. Wow. Okay. Uh, Aisha, what did you think? Well, I definitely am not a Top Gun person. I saw it once, maybe seven, eight years ago. I really don't remember. And I didn't remember anything. And I decided I'm not even going to bother trying to rewatch it before going into this. I'm going to go into this basically cold. And I really enjoyed it. Like, (laughs) what I appreciated about this film was as much as I really, really I've been on this soapbox before. I really hate nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. I really do not enjoy these reboots and remixes and whatever you want to call these that are just like, that is what the main thing is happening in multiplexes now. It annoys the heck out of me. But I think for me, the nostalgia that I liked about it was going back to the action sequences and the look of the film. So much of what is going on in action and sci-fi and fantasy at this point looks so not real and Mm -hmm. not real in a very visceral way. Like I want to be able to feel like I am actually in this fighter pilot jet with you. And in this movie, I feel that way. And even like at the very beginning when you've got Kenny Loggins singing Danger Zone in the background (laughs) and, and it's just a long sequence of all these guys like putting together, like, I don't even know the terminology for this, but like, it's just lots of fighter jets and guys running things. And even like the way that the sun is either rising or setting, I can't tell what time of the day it is. And you see like the heat coming from the ground, like you can see it. And I love that. It it doesn't look like someone just like digitally recreated Mm -hmm. this, like you can feel it happening. And then like, the few minutes of the credit sequence where it's like Tom Cruise is walking through his little office area and it's like, here's my bomber jacket. Here's my silver wings. Here's my aviator glasses. Like, oh my God, it's overload. But I really, it made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And I connected to this despite having no real connection to the original film. I think Tom Cruise is actually doing some really great acting here, especially the sequence with him and the Val Kilmer character. They have a very pivotal scene, a very emotional scene. And Tom Cruise sells that scene so well. His face, you know, he does that cocking his head to the side sort of thing. They're both really dialed in in that scene in a way that the movie doesn't actually prepare you for how, I think, poignant it is. Right. Because everything else is very big. And it's like a character saying, like, he's the fastest man alive. Like, it's all that, it's all that really cheesy stuff. <laughs> but then you have this really emotional core where they are talking about the past and Tom Cruise's character trying to reckon with being a teacher versus actually doing the thing he wants to do. And I just really liked it and enjoyed it. And also, I thought it was really interesting that like up until maybe midway or even like more than three quarters of the way through, all of the music, the songs were made before 1990. And then like all of a sudden they drop in this new One Republic song that sounds like (laughs) the kind of song you would hear while you were shopping in like an American Eagle or a Madewell. And it's during this beach sequence. And that's when you get your like Maxim moment where it's like, oh yeah, here are these hot guys. There's Lawrence from Insecure, who's one of the fighter pilots, like running around and looking hot in the sand. And they're not playing volleyball, they're playing football. They're playing some, yeah, playing football. They're playing football Mm -hmm. because like this is the thing now. Um, It's football, (laughs) it's 2022. But I was rushed for it. I enjoyed it. And this is, you know, if anything's going to get people's butts in seats, if you feel comfortable enough to do so, like, I think this is the type of movie to do so for. So I'm all in for Top Gun nostalgia. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I pretty strenuously come down with Aisha on on this. It's trafficking (laughs) in nostalgia so effectively. I watched this 
this movie sitting next to my pal, our producer, Jessica Reedy. And Jessica turned to me and she said, this movie understood the assignment. <laughs> and I think that yep. is just yeah. such a perfect distillation of what this movie gets right. It understood the assignment. It understood what you want from a Top Gun movie. It understood what people appreciate about the original Top Gun, what yeah. might need to be updated in this Top Gun. The points that Aisha is making about the practical special effects and the flying scenes instead of just leaning on that kind of deadening, totally forgettable CGI that totally. we see so much in these big summer yeah. movies and including yeah. a ton of summer movies that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. But this felt like a throwback in kind of all the right ways. Exactly. It yeah. tapped into a lot of what I really liked about the original. I think I like the original more than you guys do. I've also watched a lot more Kenny Loggins videos than you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. <laughs> Story checks out. And the original, in many ways, is like an hour and 45-minute Kenny Loggins video, and I'm yeah. here for that. This movie, Tom Cruise is, if nothing else, one of our most committed actors, and mm -hmm. he fully, fully commits to this. I appreciated the callback to the rampant homoeroticism of the original. Oh, yeah. I appreciate mm -hmm. the fact that one of the first things you see on screen are the names Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Yes. Even the credits looked like they were straight from the mid-80s, like oh, the yeah. title. Oh, the movie starts the same way. I was worried they press play on a DVD in the theater for a moment. Like, <laughs> it, it's like it. that the same. <laughs> and like for me, the beginning is probably the most erotic in the movie. All those all those erect thumbs signaling the fire engine sticking up. That's probably as erotic as this movie got. And the heat from the sun and the rising heat. or yeah, setting the... or whatever. <laughs> for a minute, I felt like, oh, wow, did they decide to make this as if it were a Top Gun sequel in 1988? Like if, if they decided to make a sequel two years later and just decided to treat it as if it had been shelved for 34 years, but then did a nice job of kind of playing around with the poignancy of how these characters have aged. You mentioned that scene with Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. I think that's an enormously effective scene that ties into not only our nostalgia for the original Top Gun, but our nostalgia for Val Kilmer, who's really uh -huh. been through mm -hmm. it. He lost his voice to cancer. And they weave some of that into the movie in a way that I didn't find tacky at all. It was, I think it really worked. It really lands. I didn't find it tacky either. Yeah. So it's able to tap into some of our affection for these performers yeah. and just kind of thinking about the passage of time. I wrote down in my notes, poignant, but not too poignant. Mm. <laughs> uh, it doesn't spend too much time kind of marinating in sentiment. It mm -hmm. does really then kind of kick in and just like be a big summer action blockbuster, you know, which we always need at, around this time of year. Mm -hmm. I was struck by some of the parallels presented in this movie between Maverick's career and Tom Cruise's career. Where does one start and the other ends? I, I honestly, mean, I don't yeah. know. It's starting to blur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he like he wants to do things the old-fashioned way, right? Like, there's this discussion of like, do we even need pilots anymore? Do we even need this? Now we can do everything with drones. Like, drones are the stand-in for CGI. You know, right. he still wants in on the action. <laughs> I was kind of moved by that. So, I know Cruise has been on this kind of cinematic death wish for a while now, where like, each new Mission yeah. Impossible is like, let me see how far I can push myself. And even despite me being a fan of Cruz, at a certain point, I was too caught up in the idea that he wanted me to know that he was doing this. Like, mm -hmm. the movie stopped being about the movie itself and started being more about the fact that he can do this crazy stunt. It felt like watching somebody in a gym just kind of putting on more weight to, like, bench <laughs> press. It's like, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to get out of that? And I think with this one, there's actually kind of a poignancy and even kind of like a sadness to it. Like, I think there's a sense that Cruz now realizes that, like, his time is truly passing him by. And I thought of 
There's a line, I think, Ed Harris is one of his kind of, like, hard-ass superiors mm-hmm. who's saying that, like, you know, your time is up, or this is the age of drones now. And there's this idea that Cruise, to me, is raging against the unmanned blockbuster, as it were. This mm. blockbuster that is only driven by IP, interchangeable people. There is no personality behind it. And it doesn't matter who's in the costume because everybody's interchangeable. And I think he is fighting... He is going to die trying to save this idea of the movies where, like, a person can be in the driver's seat. And that person is going to be me for as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's an athlete, right? Like, yeah. in the same way that Jackie Chan is an athlete for film, like Tom Cruise is. And so it's interesting to look at someone like him try and work against the passage of time, but also just the way all of the people who have come after him have either fallen off and not really doing that kind of stunt work anymore, Uh or they're playing superheroes or whatever. And that's all CGI. And I'm very curious to see how this also stacks up against the Mission Impossible movies that are coming in the coming years, because he's injured himself on these sets before. Uh And it's like, how far is he going to push it? How far are people going to allow him to push it? I hope he doesn't push it too far because... He's turning 60 in July, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's... I'll be very curious to see, you know, five years from now, like, will there be another Top Gun? I don't know. Like, it seemed like Mm -hmm. maybe they were trying to make Miles Teller the sort of successor. Uh, oh, Daisy is not here for that. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Well, I mean, it was it was definitely giving me some like Shia LaBeouf in the Indiana Jones film from yeah. a few years ago where it's like, huh, all right. <laughs> well, I think one thing that this movie at least showed me is that we have a star problem in like Hollywood. Because yeah. I, yes. I think about the first one where, you know, Val Kilmer was so iconic, Tom Cruise mm-hmm. was so iconic, and this was like Meg Ryan's first role. And while I think there are a lot of likable people in this movie, Glenn Powell, who plays a kind of like cocky, frat boy, bastard character, like to like perfection, <laughs> and Jay Ellis from Insecure, like there wasn't really much of a sense for me that one of them is going to take the mantle or, or kind of take off after this. And maybe that's just a product of the movie just being mostly about Tom Cruise and that he just kind of overshadows things. But it does make me think about the future of stardom because there won't be a Tom Cruise after a while. Like, he can't do this forever. He, he can't. I don't believe it. <laughs> Death comes yeah. for us all. Tom Cruise was a great movie star. And that's part of what was really fun about him. And he kind of became this athlete. That's not what his early roles were. Like, he was actually the guy who could take a movie like Top Gun or Cocktail and kind of elevate it with his ability to both be charming and believable in these situations. I think he kind of leaned more into the athleticism kind of post, you know, Mm -hmm. the Katie Holmes thing, post his controversies. But he was just kind of more originally this, like, guy who had that, like, really lovely mix of charm. And even though he was like really good looking, he still somehow seemed like something out of an everyman in his own way in this like kind of hyper elevated way. And so I think, I think that is a large part of why all of it does really work because I think I also don't like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, but I think nostalgia works when it is something that is being revisited in a loving and respectful way where you kind of really look at that. And I think speaking to what you were saying, Stephen, about it feeling like a real sequel, there's a lot of beats repeated, but again, it actually does feel based out of like character growth. It's not as if this movie starts and Maverick is the same Maverick he was at the beginning of the original movie. Like, you feel that he has still continued to grow from that situation that we watched him in 1986. 
the choices and the tensions feel realistic. There's a close-up of Cruz in this movie kind of towards the end, kind of like early morning light is hitting his face, and you see like a bit of gray stubble on him. Yes. And I just don't associate Cruz with gray. Like I don't associate him with that color. So yeah, I definitely think just like time and aging is definitely on this movie's mind and on Cruz's mind for sure. Yeah. There's that famous line from Sunset Boulevard where Gloria Swanson says, I'm still big as the pictures that got small. Yeah. And I feel like there's a smallness now to movies. Everyone's just watching them at home and on TV, and it's not this collective thing. And Cruz believes with the like fanatical passion that movies is a communal experience yeah. and that the movies still can be big. And I hope for his like sake and his sanity that people go to see this movie <laughs> and that they support it because I don't know what he's going to do. This is this is a big screen movie, big sound mm-hmm. system movie in every way. And people are going to laugh together and they're going to be on the edge of their seat together. Like it's, it is exactly what you want from a blockbuster. We want to know what you think about Top Gun Maverick. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. This episode was produced by Anna Isaacs and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, you. If you're listening to this, that means you have a birthday coming up eventually. And here at LifeKit... We want it to be a special one. Magic can happen and good luck can happen and serendipity can happen if we're open to it. How to have a good birthday, even if you're not a birthday person. That's on the Life Kit podcast from NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts.